December 30th, 2021. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Daf Memvav Amud Aleph, two, four, six, seven lines from the top. This morning's class is for the Rifuah Shalimah Avraham ben Salcha Aliza and for Eliyahu ben Sofi. The Gemara, if you recall, which we began yesterday, was dealing with the statement in the Mishnah, Mahlok between Hachamim, the Mishnah recorded Mahlok between Hachamim and Bili Ezer about whether when a, uh, a man was hanged, uh, well, first and foremost, how was he hanged as opposed to a woman? And furthermore, was a woman hanged at all? And the Mishnah told us that according to the Hachamim, only men were hanged, not women. Says the Gemara, What's the reasoning of the Hakamim? Do they have some source? They have some makor in the Torah they can point to, and that will be their source that only men are hanged, but not women. Again, after Sekila, after the circumstance that warrants being hanged. Amar Kera Vitalita Oto, the Pasuk says, You will hang him. The derashah of the hachamim is only him, meaning only the male is hanged, not a woman. <coughs> reads that same pasuk, understands that extra word of oto as being extra, but interprets it differently. He says instead of oto being the male as opposed to the female, it's the individual and not his clothing. As we mentioned yesterday, Tosafot says, although you stripped him in order to stone him, Perhaps the Hava Amina is, perhaps you should then reclothe him as you're about to present him to the people. The derasha is Oto Belokesuto. That's a great derasha. Bili Ezer, we assume, agrees with the Hachamim that when the person is hanged, it's without their clothing. So to Bili Ezer, how do you interpret that Pasuk? After all, excuse me, Hachamim, how do you interpret that Pasuk, right? Hachamim are the ones who said it was the male and not the female. Bili Ezer interprets that Pasuk as being without the clothing. Vrabbanan, Hachamim, don't you agree? We assume you agree that when a person is hanged, they're hanged without clothing. In Hachename, indeed, it's so. In other words, the interpretation of Bili Ezer of Oto Belo Kesuto is right. Wait a second, if that's the case, so then why did you minimize women? Why do you only say men are hanged? Hachamim ela amar kera. Rather, it's because the pasuk says, Vechiye be'ish het mavet. The pasuk says at the beginning, if a man has a het mavet, has a sin for which he's being executed. Why is it that it's specific about a man? Ish velo isha. The derasha is a man, but not a woman. Again, hachamim giving or providing the source for themselves that only men are hanged and not women. All right, great. We now push it back to Bili Ezer. Bili Ezer, how do you interpret that pasuk? After all, the word oto you handled. You handled so well, you convinced us that the hachamim have to interpret it likewise. But what about the word ish? Vir Bili Ezer, welcome back. Vir Bili Ezer, hi, v'chiye. We're now sharing a table. Hi, v'chiye be'ish, my darshebe. Beliezer, how do you interpret that extra word of ish? Amarish Lakish, Ahu Lemaute, Ben Sorer Umore. Suggest Rish Lakish for Beliezer. The word ish in the Pasuk is coming to minimize and to state that in Ben Sorer Umore does not get hanged. Let's interpret that and understand that accordingly. Here's a child who did wrongful activities. Now the activities per se were not the sin for which he's going to be stoned. What activities did he do? The Torah says, 
Alimo. What's he doing? He's eating meat, which he perhaps stole from his parents, and he's drinking wine, and we're putting him to death. Well, in such a circumstance, which we'll address in just a few moments, why would you be putting him to death? The Mishnah later on will address it, but the Gemara here will allude to it. Well, says, says Resh Lakish, the Pasuk, when it says Ish, is telling you that child, you're not hanging him. Well, who said it's a child? Maybe it's any person, maybe even an adult. The Derashah, the Hachamim later on, is it's only a child who's in other words, he's not ready for birthing children with another. Well, that all being the case, we resolved everything. Yes, Stanley? You're not really going to put any child to death. This is the only child you're going to be put to, putting to death, to the best of my knowledge. The only other circumstance you'll have is perhaps which is a little bit more complicated. We'll deal with that. And you're, and you're, not gonna prob- you're probably not going to be hanging them at all because you're not doing... Si- well, you are. All right. Well, that's an interesting question over there. What would happen to the children if they were a part of the Avodah Zarah? It's the only other circumstance I can think of. Uh, that children would be punished with sikila. Anyway, says the Gemara Behatanya. Uh, wait a second, is that really so? Resh Lakish, your suggested resolution for Resh for Ezer is insufficient. You claimed Resh Lakish that a Ben Sorero More, when the Pasuk says Ish, it's coming to be Memaet to exclude a Ben Sorero More. That's what the word Ish means. Wait, wait a second, the Beraita says explicitly not so. Behatanya. Ben Soreru More Niskal Venitla seems to be the opinion over here. It doesn't appear as if we have anyone disagreeing with him. And what's more is Rabbi Eliezer himself is the one for whom we're interpreting the Pasuk as Ish, Velo Ben Soreru More. The Beraita has him saying explicitly, a Ben Soreru More is hanged. So it can't be that when the Pasuk says Ish, it's coming to exclude a Ben Soreru More for Rabbi Eliezer's interpretation. You're kidding me. Rather, says the Gemara, flip this in the opposite direction. When the Pasuk says, Ish, and you put him to death, in such a circumstance where Ish, not coming to exclude the child, the Ben Soreru More, it's coming to be inclusive. Inclusive? What are you talking about? The word Ish means an adult. You tell me the word Ish is coming to include children? Leave out any word and we'd include children, perhaps. Maitama, what's the reasoning? De Amarkera, because the Pasuk says on the one hand, Vechiye be Ish Het. Again, those are the words we were focusing on. Ish velo ben. The initial words of the Pasuk would steer me to believe it's Ish velo ben, meaning an adult and not a child. Furthermore, the Pasuk says the word het, if a person has a sin for which they're being sentenced to death. Het, Mishal het onehirag. That's a person who's being put to death for their sin. Yasa ben soreru more, she'al shum sofo nehirag. A ben soreru more, this is what the Mishnah explains to us later on, Hard to understand, we'll discuss it philosophically and theologically when we get there. But, a ben sorero more is nidon al shem sofo. We judge him, God tells us to judge him, based on what he'll do in the future. If right now he's stealing a little meat and indulging in this wine as a child, we can only imagine what he's going to be doing in the future. Let's rid ourselves, rid him of all those future tragedies. That's what God tells us to no, do. Not What's that? Not the opposite of Bashir Husham. Of course. That's the classical debate and conversation. How do you interpret that vis-a-vis? We did this when we learned that in Masechet Roshan and Daftetzayim. We talked about that contradiction, but for our purposes right now, the point is you have two mi'utim. In the same pasuk, you have two reasons 
to exclude a ben sorero more. Number one, ish. Number two, het, a person who's being put to death for the sin, not for the future sin, not for the beginning of the sin, but rather for the actual sin. That's called a mi'ut ahar mi'ut. You might call it in the vernacular a double negative. The fact that the pasuk twice seems to lead me in the direction of taking the child out of it. And again, taking the child out of it. Twice, for what reason, that comes to be marbeh, says the Gemara, double negative. I mean, we know this mathematically. We could talk about it logically in a moment. It means that in this pasuk, the first, the word ish, and not ben surayr moreh, then het, and not ben surayr moreh. It's called the mi'uta har mi'ut, ve'en mi'uta har mi'ut, The understanding of the hachamim is, if the Torah would have a exclusion followed by an identical exclusion, which was unnecessary, you already excluded the men sorer more. The only purpose in so doing again is to say to you, you misunderstood the initial one, we're really trying to be marbeh. Of course, an easier quote-unquote way would have been just say that a child gets put to death. All right, it's a literary device of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm going to accept it. Yes, Sarah? Yes. Oto we knocked out. Oto we said Oto Belok Bik Suto. Right? We thought that initially, and you know, we could have gone, it could have been a Mi'uta, Ha Mi'uta, Ha Mi'ut. It would be an interesting, a double negative ending with another negative. No. I, I don't know that you ever have that in the Torah. How else would you have wanted it to be written? Without the word Oto? Vita. No, he has to be put to death, something along those lines. Vitalita, the word het, and the, although although it's natural to me and you, because why else are we putting him to death? There is a case where you're not putting him to death for his sin, and that's that situation. Again, Irani Dahat, which we'll deal with, is an interesting circumstance because we do have a dirasha that the children as well were to be put to death. There is a debate amongst the Rishonim and the Haronim whether the children are actually being put to death because they were Oved Avodah Zarah, as they were a part of the sin, even though we assume children are not liable for death penalty, so hard to understand exactly why they're a part of it, or even more out there, they're just included in this punishment, and as a result, even without, I mean, those are important questions to be had when we get there, but that's the only, again, Stanley situation, in my mind, you'll have a child being put to death. Says the Gemara onward, if you recall in the Mishnah, it would be the Ezer who claimed that both men and even women are to be hanged, well, he now turns to Hachamim and says, don't you know the story? We all know the story. Shimon ben Shatach, the 80 mechashefot, women who were sorcerers in Ashkelon, and he killed them, and he hanged them. Well, that being the case, don't I have a proof? The response to Rabbi Eliezer was, of course, seriously, that's your example? Don't you know, say the Hachamim, we don't put two people to death at the same time, in Beit, in the same day in Beit Din. As a result, if they were putting 80 on one day, Clearly, this was an exception to the rule. This was a pressing situation. This was Shimon ben Shatach saying, I mean, uh, you know, if you recall the actual details, it was that his student has the dream that Shimon ben Shatach is in a whole lot of trouble in his afterlife. In other words, this is a bad situation. This is a situation that needed to be handled, and he, as a result, kind of went against the natural and regular laws. As a result of that, he also hanged women. So don't bring me a proof from the out-of-the-norm situation. Says the Gemara, Amar Rav Hasta Lo Rav Hasta is picking up on those words of the Hachamim. 
Hachamim, by means of their response, made clear to us a halacha. They said, don't you know, we don't put two people to death on the same day in Betin. Says Rav Hasta, well, let's hone in on that for a moment. You should know, that's only bishtemitot. It's only if it's a sekila and a serifa. It's only if it's a serifa and a hanek. It's only if it's a herig and a sekila. Whatever it is, it's only if it's two different punishments to each of these people whom we're judging. Aval bimita ahat, if they're both being put to death with sekila, for argument's sake, avodah zara and hilul shabbat, well, in such a circumstance, danin, you'll judge and you can execute them both in one day. Says the Gemara, wait a second, are you sure about that, Rav Hasta? Because I'm going to go right back to our example in the Mishnah. What was our example in the Mishnah? The example in the Mishnah was the Hachami, excuse me, Rebili Ezer, proving from Shimon ben Shatach and the Hachamim disproving. What was the case with Shimon ben Shatach? 80 sorcerer women. All the same mitah, all avodah zara, zone, all sekila, veha ma'asad shumon ben shatach de mitah hat havai, veka amrule de endanin. Well, the Mishnah matter-of-factly had the hachamim responding to Beliezer and saying, don't you know this wasn't a regular case? How'd they put them all to death? Rav Chasta, you just told us, we do put to death if it's the same mitah, if it's the same death penalty, same execution. Not so. The Mishnah is pretty clear not that way. The Hachamim incredulously responded to Beliezer and said, it can't be. How are you putting, they were both biskila. Clearly, Rav Hasta, your qualification is wrong. Ela i itmar, itmar. Rather, if Rav Hasta had a statement along the lines of, we don't always adhere to a rule of no two executions in court at, on one day. Here's how it should and probably was stated. Lo shanu ela ahat ke'en shete mitot ve'echidame kigon shete averot. Ava b'mita ahat ve'avera ahat danin. Rav Hasta's response went as follows. He said, listen, it goes like this. The only circumstance wherein the bedin would not put to death in one day two people is, even if it's mita ahat, it's sekila, but it's not both for avodah zara, it's rather for hilul shabbat and avodah zara, then we wouldn't put to death both in one day. If, however, they're both for hilul shabbat, if, however, they're both for retziha, if, however, they're both for avodah zara, we would put to death. What's the logic in all this? Why are we distinguishing, explains Rashi, it has to do with the concentration and the ability for the dayanim, the judges, to deliberate and to look into the case properly. If both of the cases have to do with murder, that's our mindset, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the, the evidence that we're dealing with, we have that on our mind. Both the cases are hilul shabbat, it might be different ma'asim on shabbat that were done, different circumstances, but we have our hilul shabbat, heads on and so forth if alternatively although it's the same punishment but it's two altogether different sins the dayanim the understanding is won't be able to be me'ayin hetev that's mamash same mitah same, same circumstance so it's another proof of that, that there are situations wherein you would do so very nice very nice. I, unless, unless we would argue against him, that wasn't done in the same day. In other words, you're, you're talking about the determinations, and maybe it took days to do so. You know, but I, in other words, I don't know that we have a case where we know it was actually done in a day. Yes, right. One case of, uh, of dealing with a chiyuv mita a day, but if we have five, 
If we have five Hilul Shabbat people, we could bring them all in and deal with them one day. Let's say you have five different people. We're going to have to do it over the course of five days? Incarcerate them in the middle. You can't do deen. The whole issue is, you. that's the point. The point is that they won't be able to be ma'ayin properly. As a result, as a result, we don't bring them in. Yeah, you'll, uh, you have to have a good uh, prison system as well. Oh, you really don't give us a lot of it. You tell me you have a thousand cases at once. Um, yeah, anyway, it says... What's that? Certainly. Certainly. All right. You're right. We're assuming we're only doing this in one betin. You need 23 dayanim in a betin gadol. So you can, you can do this in different courses. Courts. This is only in one court. I don't know how... I mean, did that really help you, though? Because now you're traveling them across, across state lines. Right. 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 All right. Anyway, so says with the eighty women, they're doing different. Ah, says the Gemara. There you go. Says the Gemara. Mativ Rav Ada Bar Ahava. Excuse me. Uh, excuse me. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. The Gemara doesn't address it. We have to address it. Says Maharis. Wait a second. What about those eighty women? Eighty women were all mechashefot. One avera. Explains Rashi. Says Rashi. It's because they had different names to their sorcery, which in turn, I'll explain that in a second. Which in turn means it was two types of situations, which makes things very dicey in terms of interpreting this. Says Rashi. There was ov and yideoni. Ov and yideoni are. That's right. That's that's what makes it difficult. Ov and yideoni are altogether different types of sorcery. The Gemara later on, uh, 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 several dapim from now, will explain exactly how each of them was. Not exactly how each of them were done. And as a result, now I can understand the words. I don't understand the application fully. The words go like this: for the re- for the dayanim to look into it appropriately, you want all your ov cases and you want all your yideoni cases. We're not going to deal with them both on one day, which of course raises the question, although I'm cert- quite certain I know the answer, but I don't fully understand it. Well, so what about Shabbat? One person did Borer on Shabbat, and the other right. one did Koser on Shabbat. It sounds as if they're all going to be Nidon as Ma'aseh Shabbat. They were Mahalel Shabbat, we'll bring them all in. So when do we distinguish and when do we have them the same? Not fully clear. Why is Avod- Why are two types of Avodah Zarah different? Are all two types of Avodah Zarah different? So if that's the case, we really are, you know, you're even more nervous, Rob. You know, we're really... Anyway, unless it's Mamash, the exact same case. A thousand years if, well, first of all, our American court system, you know, people are on, on death row for like, well, you know. That's, that's not a great example. I, 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 no, I understand. That's true. That's true. All right. Anyway, says the Gemara. All right. I'm sorry. I, I compared it. Says the Gemara. Mativra vadabar ahava. The Gemara has a question from vadabar ahava from Beraita. Endanin shenaim biyom ehad. Okay, so that's pretty clear. You can't judge two people on a single day. Vaafilu. Noefen noefet refers to people who have uh, relations, inappropriate relations. Well, wait a second. Noefen noefet, we're assuming, have the same mitah. If it's a woman who's what's called an arusa, she's only engaged, they both get sikila. Both the man and the woman we're talking about. If, they're, uh, if she's already married, they both get a mitah, which is called hanek. Which is called strangulation. So I don't understand. It's the identical sin with the identical punishment. And the statement here, quite clearly in the Beraitai, is, 
Rav Hasta, I'm, I, I don't understand what you're talking about. You qualified everything. And you're right, Rabbi. Maybe you're trying to qualify it in, eight, in order to make a smoother court system. But empirically, it won't hold up. This Beraita is explicitly against that. The Beraita says, Afilu no efe no efet. The Gemara will need to squeeze its way out of this and find circumstances where a no'ev, a adulterer, a male and female, will be getting two different punishments. What sort of situations do you have for that? As I just told you, generally speaking, engaged, both get sekila. Married, but in other words, with regards to the woman, both get chenek. Tergemar of Hastar of Hastar defends himself. He gives two separate answers. Number one, bebat kohen ubo'ala. The Torah has one, in parashat kitese, one exception. It says if the woman is a bat kohen, she gets serefa. Serefa means she gets burnt. And she gets the, uh, the, that punishment. As opposed to chenek, as opposed to sekila, she gets serefa. It depends who you ask, but ultimately speaking, it depends who you ask, depends at what stage. It's, uh, as opposed to chenek, as opposed to sekila. But that's her mitah, at the very least. We'll deal with worse when we get to the Mishnah. It's mahlokit. But ultimately speaking, that is her mitah. It means in a circumstance of a woman who's a bat kohen and the man who's whatever, it doesn't matter who the man is, and he has relations with her, she's going to get serefa, and he's going to get either sekila or henek, depending on whether she's engaged or married. But ultimately speaking, that's two separate punishments. Says Rav Hasta, smiling, of course, two separate punishments. You don't judge on one day. If it's a regular circumstance of two adulterers, we'll judge them on one day. Or the Torah tells us so. That's the most simple answer. Torah is explicit on that. Says the Gemara, or Rav Hasta, bebat kohen vezomeme zomemeha. Alternatively, the case is as follows. She's a bat kohen. Now, yeah, a little bit of background over here. The Gemara Masech Makot. And in Sanhedrin later on has the following, following situation. We talked about Edim Zomimin already. Edim Zomimin, as we explained, goes as follows. A person or two people conspire to put someone to death. They conspire to put that person to death and they're caught in being a different place on the day that they're testifying that they saw this. And as a result, they're made Edim Zomimin. The Torah says, Va'asitem lo ka'ashir zamam la'asot la'achid. If his will was to say this person mehalel Shabbat, their will was was, they are now, they get sekila. If, if they said he was a murderer, they now get saif, and so forth. Now, that being the case, what happens if there's a conspiring witnesses? Before they're put to death, there's another set of witnesses who come and say about that initial set of witnesses, you guys are conspiring witnesses. So that's called zomim, and okay, one more time. Say, so I have I have my initial stage. I have that. Then I have edim zomimin, and then I have the people who made them edim zomimin. So I'm dealing with two sets of witnesses already. My first set of witnesses who were conspiring. My second ones who stated that those first ones were conspiring, and now my third set of witnesses who state that the second set of witnesses were actually the conspiring witnesses. What happens in such a situation? Such a situation, we just topple everything we established. So again, in our, my initial situation, I had litigant, I had the guy we're testifying about, about, I had first set of witnesses. Initially, I thought we're putting to death the person we're testifying against. Now I have the witnesses who established that that first set of witnesses were conspiring. I now cleaned the first person, the person we were judging, and the second ones are gonna be punished. But now I have a third set of 
of witnesses who are establishing that the second set of witnesses were really conspiring witnesses. It means who's getting punished? The second set of witnesses and the initial person we brought into court. Great. That all being the case, here's the situation. If you, if you followed all that, the initial people we brought into the case were specifically a bat kohen. We're dealing with a woman who's getting serifa. What are the witnesses who are caught to be conspiring witnesses going to get? Not serifa. The pasuk says, to a male, and as a result, we say you're going to get hanek, what would have been for the man you were, you were testifying about with this woman. It happens to be that was a true case. The case actually was that she had relations. We're going to be putting her to death with Sirifa, him if we have him, uh, with hanek, and the Idim Zomimin as well with hanek. Well, that all being the case, I found it. I found the situation. You're dealing with noef and noefit. You're dealing with people who had relations, uh, inappropriate, adultery. And now there are two separate punishments. What are the two separate punishments? The but. That's exactly the point. So, hey. How do you know that doesn't override the fact of Edim Zonamim? I'm saying that. We don't want to exaggerate that. As far as the there's a derasha, the derasha in Masechet Sanhedrin, which we haven't seen yet, goes like this. That extra word le'achiv in the masculine is le'achiv velo le'achoto. That's the answer. That's the answer. So anyway, ultimately speaking, we found two cases where you'll be dealing with an identical circumstance, what seems to be what you would have believed were the same punishments, but are really two separate punishments. And in that situation, says Rav Hasta, that's what the Baraita was talking about when it told us, Afilu noefe noefe. So Rav Hasta settles his case and suggests, therefore, that the qualifications of the words in our Mishnah, words in our Mishnah were, you're not going to be putting two people to death on the same day in the court, says Rav Hasta. You're right, generally speaking, you're not. However, sometimes you will. If it's the same sin and the same punishment, you will be able to do so. What's the fear of the rabbis in general about putting people to death who are in different circumstances? We're not going to be able to look into this properly. How do we get around Rabbi's issue? With Jeffrey's suggestion, put many bate dinim bi Israel. You'll be able to mobilize any of the bad guys and handle them accordingly. Says the Gemara onward, Tanya, a bit I Three to death. The Bat case. Kohen, the Bo'ala, and Zomemeh Zomemeh. Indeed, we're probably only testifying about her and not the Bo'ala. Ah. So it means that technically speaking, it's only on her and the Zomemeh Zomemeh. As first, opposed to the first case we mentioned earlier, which was the Bat Kohen and Bo'ala. Exactly. She keeps her status as Bat Kohen. For this matter, yeah, that's what the Torah says. After Erusin, she's not eating Tiruma. So, but she keeps her status. She's The statement here of Yaakov is, I heard. And really, he's coming based on the words in our Mishnah, based on the response of the Hachamim about the Shimon ben Shatach case. But here's what I heard, he says. 
And Lachakir Bili Ezben Yaakov, because Mishnato Kav Vinaki, the Gemara says in several places. Bili Ezben Yaakov is a very important opinion. For one reason or another, they say that when he states his words, he's very careful to state them in a perfect fashion. Halachakamoto Bechol Makom. And you see, as a result, Bili Ezben Yaakov has a bold statement here, but you have to keep in mind, we're probably going to follow this, the Halacha, which we'll discuss in a moment. Shema'ati, I heard, Shebetin Makin Ve'onshin. I heard that Bedin can, has the ability, and should uh, give lashes and mitah, executions, shalom Torah, even in circumstances where it's not warranted from the Torah. An example, of course, would be the way in which Shimon ben Shatach in our Mishnah judged all those 80 women. He judged them in a way and put them to death in a way which was quote-unquote against the Torah. They can't heke, decide they want to go against Torah. It's in order to build proper gates for the Torah. They are empowered, the Beddin, to do so. Gives two examples. Umase. In fact, it happened. It happened in the days of Greek rule in Eretz Israel. There was an individual who was riding on a horse on Shabbat. Riding on a horse on Shabbat, the Mishnah and Masechet Besan, Dafla Medvavamudbet says, Eshevut, it's Asu Medrabanan. There's no Isur from the Torah to ride on a horse on Shabbat or any animal by extension. What's the Isur Medrabanan? The fear is that in order to steer the animal, you're going to grab off of the tree a branch in order to hit it. Well, that's an Isur Medrabanan, it's a Gezerah. What happened was in the days of the Greeks, there was an individual who rode a horse on Shabbat, and they put him to death by stoning him as if he was Mechalel Shabbat with an Isur from the Torah. Wait a second, this is only rabbinically prohibited. The rabbis have the ability to give what's called Makat Mardut, but who said they're able to kill? Siagla Torah, if the generation, if the circumstances are such that this is threatening in the minds of the leadership, the future and the continuity of Am Yisrael, they can go against laws of Torah in order to uphold the Torah. You know, it's the words of the Hachamim elsewhere. Sometimes, by annulling the Torah, that's how you're keeping the Torah going. Ironically, over here, you need to go against the Torah in order to set straight the situation. We're talking... It's not more so, it's exactly so. It's because of that detail. The Greek time period, which they're describing implicitly to us, was a time period during which it was dangerous for a public desecration of a Jew. If there was any other time period, the suggestion is, of course, depending on specific circumstances, this would not take place. No question. For example, the next one, but before that, not because, per se, in an objective, out-of-context situation, the person is liable for execution for riding a horse on Shabbat, it was a pressing time period where Am Yisrael were perusot ba'averot. Shuv, there was another story. Now this is not necessarily during the Greek time period, but it was in some time period, either that one or another one, where people were, as it seems clear, involved with sexual activity in a very blatant and open fashion. Hachamim getting nervous about what this means for our people. The fact that all of a sudden there's all sorts of inappropriate sexual activity out in the open. Here's a person who even with his wife has relations, but out in the open. 
Yeah, under the te'ena tree, under the under not, the not fig the tree. What's that? Story. With his wife. It's not. Uh, listen, if it's pinehas or kanaim pogimbo, if it's right. with an eshetish, I understand as well. Here is with his wife, but it's out in the open, and it appears as if people either saw. Well, obviously they saw. Someone knows about this. Now they didn't necessarily, according to this version, the other versions noshao to this. Either they put him to death, but our version is they gave him malkot. Again, he had relations with his wife, but out in the open, not because per se, having relations with your wife, out in the open is punishable by malkot and certainly not by death penalty. But rather, the circumstance, the time period, the context with which the leadership realized this is taking place is very dangerous for our people. This is making a point. So the answer is, uh, Jesse asks, what about all the other details? And bringing into Betin and Edim and checking them out and Bedikan and Hakira and so forth. The answer has to be well, it depends based on their determination, but they have the ability to do so. The question will be the following, and this is what Shahanaruch, what the Rishonim deal with. What about in, I don't know, today's day and age? What about the last? Several thousand years, when we no longer have bedin with individuals who are simuchim. You might recall at the very beginning of the Masechet, we talked about simuchim. Simuchim means a person who, based on our tradition, our understanding, got the chain of uh, ability to be done dine nefashot. Right? We envision this as going back to Moshe Rabbeinu, and at this time period, for many, many years, we say we lost that. Almost more than a thousand years. The Gemara talks about already having lost it. In Bavil, they didn't have this authority to be done dine what about this situation? What about in today's day and age, something is going wrong? Do we have the ability now to execute a person? On our Gemara say, listen, you could do a lot of things. You can't put to death. We don't have betin simuchim. But what do you mean you could do it against the laws of the Torah? Not if you don't have Beit Din Simuchim. Alternatively, Rashba, Rabbi Shalom Ben Aderet, one of the great Barcelona rabbis, says, What are you talking about? The Gemara says, pretty clearly, you're allowed to do this. What does that mean? It means you're allowed to do it. Shohan Aruch in Siman Beit, in Hoshim Mishpat, this Posek Lalacha, you're allowed to put to death. Even today, if Hashaasiri Chalakach, fascinating reality. My favorite, and much to be debated and discussed on this matter, my favorite on this is Rosh. Rosh was Rabbeinu Asher ben Yechiel, whose biography is just fascinating, whose writings are even more fascinating if you read them carefully. He makes his way because of persecution from Germany to Spain toward the end of his life. He walks into Spain and we have some writings of his and he walks into this culture and society says, I don't know what's going on. He says, back in Germany, we used to have an honor to be carrying the Sefer Torah, hold our love in etrog on the holidays. Spain, they just give it to you know the the low the lowly ones. I mean, I don't know the children. We still do that. We give it to the children, right? We hold our lulav in etrog, but you know, we give it to, to to the low ones. It used to be an honor. Everybody wanted to pay money. He says here, there's this open society, this philosophy insinuates it's very unhappy about all that sort of stuff. But in a different teshuvah, he writes, I never saw such a thing. I came to Spain and I see they're dandine and fashot shema Yisrael. He dies in 1304. There's a rabbi lives 700 years in the medieval time period. So I can't believe it. It's very, very nervous about it, but when push came to shove, he was okay with it. He says, listen, it's the halakha. I'm not so excited about it. It's not so traditional for me, but the Gemara does state that. Does that mean that I am now uh, arguing for us bringing it back? Don't get too carried away. Is the authority there Grant, uh, based on the circumstances, based on the circumstances, the authority is there. Rosh writes, he says, I see there are Muslims, if I remember correctly, who would judge us much worse than if we did this ourselves. I'm not so excited, but I have to choose the better of two evils. Let's go with us 
doing it ourselves. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen v'amen.